is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Welcome back to BU. This is Jill. If you are visiting for the first time, thanks for stopping by. And thank you for giving me your time. I know that your time is valuable. There are so many podcasts to be listening to. And there are so many ways for you to spend your time and so many things vying for your attention. So I don't know if you found us through the recommendation of a friend or through a search, but either way, I don't think it's an accident that you're here. So I hope you will listen to I would say probably three different episodes to decide if this is for you. If anything is triggering, it is for you. So we're happy you're here. So this episode is going to be pretty interesting. If you don't know the way I podcast, I do no no prep work. I never have notes in front of me. It makes me more comfortable to just speak freely. Sometimes I'll have a few bullet points. This time what I did was I actually Googled signs that you're in a cult And I found a few different ones and I thought about writing down the ones that apply, but I decided I'm just going to read off a few that apply. And what I want to say as a disclaimer ahead of time is that I am not saying this to be nice and I'm not saying what I'm about to say to let myself off the hook or to be liked. I'm saying it because I really believe this is true. And that is that even though I really do see so many similarities between network marketing slash MLM slash direct sales slash social retail slash social selling. I mean, they're all so similar. Even though I see so many similarities between that industry and cults, I don't believe that everyone who's in that industry is in a cult. And I also believe that there's so much good that comes of those businesses. In fact, I just was talking to a friend and I, I can't think of who it was. Oh, my friend, Angie Lee. And I said, here's the thing. I mean, there are many people who could be in that business, but you're a mom and you don't want to leave your kids and you want to stay home with them or it's too expensive to put them in daycare and your your career is not something that you can you can do while raising kids, whatever the reason. Network marketing is the way to go. I mean, I did it for 13 years and you can make significant money And significant, I mean, like, even if it's $500 a month, that is significant. Most people in the United States, most of you are not in the United States who are listening. But those of you who are in the US, I just know those numbers. The majority of people, your life could change in a negative way if you had $6,000 a year suddenly to pay that you can't afford. And 
Conversely, your life would change in a positive way if you could bring in another $6,000 a year, which is $500 US dollars a month. And just that alone could be such a blessing. There's so much good that comes from the industry. As someone who is, I would say, I'm a veteran of the industry. One of them being community. Two, the second thing would be the opportunity to make money while doing other things. So even if you have two full-time jobs, you can still work a business like that and make money. Three, the personal development. I mean, that is where, I mean, you will learn so much because they use personal development within all their trainings. And that's where I was first introduced to personal development. So there's so much personal development, both through the act of doing the business, but also like taught by most of the companies. You know, you're being exposed to Jim Rohn and Les Brown and you know, Brendan Burchard, et cetera, et cetera. So there are many other reasons why I think the industry is great. Like truly, actually more than great. A wonderful industry, a great opportunity. I personally feel like every person should at least try it. Try to do it for six months. It's hard. You know, you've heard me talk a little bit in the past about how confronting and triggering and uh, what a growth experience sales is. Imagine you're not just selling, but you're selling to people you know. And then on top of that, you're selling to people who are your friends and family. And you've never sold anything before. And you're in the industry that already has so much stigma. People are already looking at you with a squinty eye. Doing that and then learning how to do it effectively, holy shit, that will grow you (laughs) more than anything. So yeah, I actually do recommend people do it. At the same time, I'm saying this not out of spite, not to take a jab at the industry. So many of you are in the industry who are listeners. I mean, no disrespect, but I'm also going to tell it like it is. And I'm going to speak truth. And the truth is there are a lot of similarities between that industry and cults. And it sounds so harsh to say that. I don't mean it literally. It's not like you can't leave. You can't leave a cult without like being hurt or maybe you've killed. It's not really a cult but it's cult-like. We used to make jokes saying, I love the culture of the company because we could tell it was cult-like. Well, so is CrossFit. It's not a bad thing. But I will tell you, the longer you're in and the higher you rank up, as they call it, and as you progress through the marketing plan, meaning you advance and you're promoted and you make more money, mm, the more serious it gets. So the higher you are, the longer you've been there, the bigger your business slash team slash organization, the more influence you have, the more cult-like it gets. And this is where it does get kind of serious. I mean, I'm just going to read these off to you. This could be a three-hour episode, but I'm going to read some of these ways that you are in a cult. Okay, the first one here, and again, I found so many sources here. This is just one randomly I grabbed. The leader is the ultimate authority. If you're not allowed to challenge or criticize the leader, even if the criticism is true, you're probably in a cult. So they talk about charismatic leaders. They talk about leaders who have sort of like supreme knowledge. Now in a real cult, right, they're calling themselves a prophet or a messiah. But we're talking about even sometimes in organizations outside of network marketing, CEOs, military officials, politicians do this. Self-help gurus do this. I mean, I was sued by one because <laughs> I called him out because he was 100% a cult leader. Can't say his name, but he was definitely very well known in the network marketing industry, especially with the company that I used to be a part of. 
and his first name was short for Robert. Okay, so I won't talk about the industry in general because I've only been with one company. I'll talk about the company I was with, but be careful that you don't single out that company because the company I was with is way less MLM-ish, you know, MLM stigma-ish and less cult-like than a lot of companies out there. However, it'll give you some insight into the industry when I tell you about my experience, because again, the company I was with was not the typical, you know, MLM on steroids. They weren't cheesy. They didn't brag about how much money people were making. They had a lot of class. You never went to our national conferences and saw the crap you see in these documentaries. It was never gross like that. I want to be clear about that. Never. That's what I loved about them. We were sort of like the antithesis of MLM. So if we were called like, what do you think it's like in a true stereotypical MLM company? That's the scary thing. So sometimes the person with ultimate authority is like a person in your organization. If you're listening and you've never been in this business, some of the terms I use may not be familiar to you. I'll try to sort of translate them. If you're in the industry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So at the company I was with, those leaders, and I was one of them, are called national marketing directors. Every company has their own title for the people who have built to the top of the pyramid, like the top of the business, top of the marketing plan. So those people have ultimate authority with their team, but then they're what's called upline. The leaders above them also have ultimate authority. So what is taught in this industry is that you don't question the authority. You don't question the leaders because they know more than you. They've, they've built the business. They've reached the top. Like, why would you question them? They know how to do it. They know how not to do it. They've made all the mistakes. Just be a good follower. You know, you don't question them. Now, <laughs> I'm going to be devil's advocate here. I kind of get that. Because I had a large organization and people would come in and they thought they knew everything. Well, what if we did it this way? What if we did it that way? I'm like, dude, our system works. Can you just follow the system? So I get that. The problem is where it gets really weird is when you've, you've been with a company for a while, you're not Susie Q who just came in and thinks she knows everything. And you're not just trying to be creative and, hey, I'm going to do it this way instead of this way. And I'm okay with it not working out. You're someone who starts asking questions that they don't want you to ask, such as like, how much money do you make? How much money does your upline make? Or you ask questions and they say to you, we don't ask those questions. That's not something I can answer. That's when it starts getting weird. That's when it starts getting cult-like. And that was my experience. So... I didn't discover it for quite some time because see, when you're in these companies, you're having fun and you're doing personal development and you're in a great community and it's pretty amazing for a while for most people. For some people, it's not a great experience, but for me, it was a really good experience for a long time. And I didn't think to ask those questions until I had been there for quite a while. So anyway, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but the first one is the leader has ultimate authority. Sometimes in the company and with ours, There's this glorification and it's like they talk about the founder of the company as if they're not really human. I mean, I didn't see that until I was gone for a couple of years and I was with our company for 13 years. After two and a half years, I'm like, you know, that was weird. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's funny. He's kind. You know, he started an amazing company. He has a great story. But we held him up on this bizarre, like unattainable, 
unrealistic angelic pedestal where he walked on water. It's like a God complex. It's like this Messiah complex. Now he did not say he was, but we were taught that by the other leaders in the company. I used to talk about him like that. I remember being at a conference and saying to people, did you see that? Isn't he so funny? Do you hear what he just said? Oh, wait till he says this. Just wait, wait, wait. Oh my gosh. Isn't he? Can you imagine the CEO of any company, let alone a billion dollar company like this being this approachable? Oh my gosh. Isn't he the best? I mean, whatever he said was the law of the land. And it's just, as I look back, I have so much love and reverence for that guy, truly respect. And it was weird. Okay, so the leader has ultimate authority. And again, sometimes this is just within the business itself. I had ultimate authority over my team, but my upline, it's called, the women who had gone before me, they had ultimate authority over me, right? You're never really an independent thinker and you're not really an independent boss or leader because you always have to kiss the ring of the people ahead of you. And it is really, really, really unhealthy. Now, you know, I loved the person who brought me into the business or invited me in. She was a doctor and, oh my gosh, Candace, if you ever hear this, I love you so much. She was not like this, at least with us. With all due respect, she was this way with her upline. She did kiss the ring. She did bow down to them. Whatever they said was the way to be. And, but thank goodness she was not like that with us. She didn't expect us to be that way with her. She loved us to be independent. She wanted us to have fun and and she was a great leader. And, you know, with the up, up, up line. So, you know, the, again, the women who went before me, there was this one woman named Cheryl, I won't give her last name, and then someone else and someone else and then someone else and then me. I directly sponsored, it's called this person who directly sponsored this person, meaning you invited them into the business and you brought them in. The person at the top in my organization, the very top, uh, was someone named Jeff. Great guy. I mean, nice guy. I'm not saying he's not a great guy, but I'm saying I don't really know him, but he's was a very nice guy. So below him was Cheryl. And I was talking to a friend today and I'm like, do you remember how cult-like it was? Like now that I look back, yes, you want systems to work and yes, you want things to duplicate. They called it duplicatable, which always laughs, made me laugh. That's not a real word. But they always said, you got to be duplicatable. Is what you're doing duplicatable? I get the concept, but she wanted you to march in line to her beat and don't you, don't you march off beat at all. However, if you march off beat and you do something different, but you do it quietly, you don't tell anybody and it works, you come back and talk about it and you give her credit. That is how that organization worked. And I didn't figure that out for a long time because I was so Well, I don't want to say brainwash because it sounds so scary and weird, right? They weren't like, let's brainwash you. But I was indoctrinated and I was insecure and all my wounds were leading the way. And so I was bowing down, kneeling down, kissing the ring, totally what they call teachable and coachable, totally what they call duplicatable. So I was was not a problem child yet, right? I was one of the like chosen ones because I did fall in line and do what they said and I did it really well. And I was willing to sacrifice my time. They wanted me to sacrifice my time with my family, with my children. I mean, in in our organization, it's like your family didn't even matter. Now they're gonna say, I never said that. That was definitely implied that you put this first. And as they say, you never arrive. 
I mean, these women are working in their late 60s and early 70s as if, I mean, they had nothing else to do. Like it's never enough because you never, ever, ever, ever arrive and you owe it to the world and to everybody to keep going. And that's what, at least in our company, was crammed down our throats. And I actually believed in that till I got to the point where I'm like, hold on, this is crazy. Like I am shaming people in my organization for wanting to go to a basketball game with their kids instead of going to an event. What is wrong with me? And then I would question it with my upline. Now, my amazing sponsor, Candace, would always say, no. I mean, she always said to put family first. But everybody else, it was not that way. I don't want to start naming names, but there's someone else that it wasn't that way for her either. But for the most part in that industry and in our company, and especially the organization I was a part of, like women who were very much in their masculine dynamic, masculine energy, do, 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 go, 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 and never about just like being, it was definitely sort of preached, preached, preached that you just keep going, keep going, keep building, keep building. That was a huge tangent. But in any event, the leader has the ultimate authority. Now you might say, oh, well, good, I'm not in a cult because in my MLM, I get to ask all kinds of questions. Okay, well, maybe you just haven't asked the right questions yet because at the end of the day, they want you to do it the way they do it and they don't want to be questioned. Okay, number two, the group suppresses skepticism. Kind of goes along with the first one, but you can't be skeptical. Like if you start asking questions, they get offended and then they get, sort of more indignant and they get sometimes angry. They shame you for being skeptical. I couldn't stand skeptical people when I was a leader in that company because I was taught this way, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for these people who are skeptical. You know, when they ask a question about the clinical research or they'd ask a question about this or that. I was repeating what I was told and I was not going to go back on that. And I believed it, by the way. And I didn't have time for questions or skepticism. The problem with this is that it says here, if you're only allowed to study your organization through approved sources, you're probably in a cult. Yep. Yeah. Like we only were allowed to go to them for information about the industry and about our company. We weren't MLM. We're not network marketing. We're not direct sales. We are our own business model. I mean, maybe perhaps technically on a good day, but come on. We 100% were all those things. Cults view critical thinking as infectious disease and every effort is made to suppress it. Doubting members are encouraged to isolate themselves from outside influences and focus solely on the doctrine of the cult. Now, they didn't want us to isolate ourselves from other people because they wanted us recruiting everybody and selling to everybody. But they absolutely convince you that everybody would be better off if they were in network marketing, especially your company. Everybody. I don't care if you're a doctor. I don't care if you're a happy little teacher. I don't care if you are a stay-at-home mother. It doesn't matter. You'd be better off if you were with us. They believe that. They say that. They get you to believe that. And then you turn around and you indoctrinate other people to believe that. And I was completely guilty of that. Criticism is forbidden. People who contradict the group are viewed as persecutors and are often given labels like anti, etc. So I didn't see this until much, much later. And I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. But not just questioning things, but criticizing. I mean, 
you were automatically seen as a negative Nancy and you were completely ignored. Now, in their defense, who wants a negative critic, right? I get that. So criticism sounds so negative, but I mean, people who would say things like, hey, that doesn't make sense or that doesn't seem fair or why is it like this? We had our national conferences twice a year and we were taught to almost bully people into going, but convincing them that they were doing themselves and the world and their family and their children a disservice by not going, even if they had to put it on three different credit cards. Like you just figure it out, Nancy. You just figure it out. You need to be in the room. You have to be there. How many times did I say that to people? And I believed it, you guys, because I was indoctrinated. No, you have to be there. You can't just like hear it from somebody. You have to be there. You know why? Because they needed you to be at the conference to feel the energy thump, 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 from the stage, right? They needed you to feel that and to hear those speeches of the top. What we heard was three to five percent turned out to be a top zero, 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 three percent. The speeches of those women who made it. If you don't hear them in person, then guess what? You won't believe that you can do it too. And they need you to believe that you can do it too, because that's what keeps you going, keeps you buying, keeps you attending, keeps you moving forward, even if you're not really moving forward. Ha, this qualifies as me right now, because this is what they're going to say. If former members speak out, they are dismissed as bitter, angry, dishonest, or evil. Cults often impose some sort of shunning to shame former members. <laughs> And prevent them from infecting other members with the truth. Oh, yeah. So we had a mass exodus at our particular company a few years ago. Oh, there's no mass exodus. Yeah, there was. I mean, thousands of people left. And of the top, again, they say 1%, but really top 0.003%. And even less, some of them were the top 0.01%, which I think is what I was. Many of those leaders left. When people like that who are making that kind of money and having that kind of success leave, you know there's a problem. So many of those people left and then a lot of people followed them. And as soon as people left, they were shamed, blamed, defamed, criticized, mocked, laughed at. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on because the company was terrified because the people making the most money were terrified because People don't leave, first of all. At the company I was with, people just don't leave. But if you're not with that company, you're with another company, I'm sure the same thing has happened. Even if people leave here and there, when that many people who make a lot of money and who are very successful and out there and they're loved and admired when they leave, it's a, it's really scary because you're worried other people will follow them. If things are that great, no one's going to follow them. Now, If someone knows my specific example, I will welcome you calling me out on one thing. And that is, you might say, well, funny, Jill, weren't you one of the people mocking them? I wasn't mocking people for leaving. I had a specific, very negative experience with one particular person who was the first person who left our company. Her husband duped me, totally lied to me, tried to trick me, and was talking to me when I was thinking of leaving the company to go with them to a different company told me that the people that I knew who I was talking to were going to be coming with me and quote unquote under me as an insurance plan for me so that I actually walked away and actually had sort of like instant business, but didn't tell them that. 
and then told me that they didn't want to come with me and lied to both of us. And I caught them, caught him with his pants down and I called him out. I may have gone a little heavy handed because I preached it to a lot of people and may or may not have done a Facebook Live about it. But anyway, yes, I did criticize, but it wasn't because people left. I had a specific experience with a particular person. But when people left, not only did people not wish them well, they trashed them. I mean, they said that they were mentally ill. I mean, you guys, it was awful. And you might say, well, gosh, that's a horrible company. No, that's a cult. That's when you know you're in a cult. Any organization that does that is cult-like. Number four, the group is paranoid about the outside world. I wouldn't say that. That's a, that's a traditional cult. But I will say this. It says here, cults position themselves as the sole refuge from the outside world. Okay, that is true. As I said before, it was preached and taught and passed on that everyone would be better off if they were in our bubble and we're never leaving our bubble. The group relies on shame cycles. I didn't see this very often and it was very, very mild. But yes, people were shamed if they didn't go to our national conferences. They were shamed if they, if they weren't recruiting enough. They were shamed if they fell back out of what's called qualification or PB, they called it. I mean, yeah, they were shamed in a way that didn't look like shame, maybe didn't overtly sound like shame, but it was shame nonetheless. And I was guilty of this. I did it. That's when you know you've been brainwashed because I love people so much. And I can't believe that I did that. But I did it in a really passive aggressive way that sounded loving because that's what I was taught. And I really thought that I was helping by doing it. That's when you know you've been brainwashed. Okay, here's another one. The group uses thought reform methods. If your serious questions are answered with cliches, you're probably in a cult. Holy shitballs. That is so MLM network marketing. Cliche after cliche after cliche. Don't make your children the excuse. Make them the reason. Now, the cliches are specific to network marketing, by the way. They may not be cliches that you hear out in the world. But they have the same dialogue, and I did too, the same response to everything that you said over and over and over again. Indoctrination, or what some people call brainwashing, is the process through which a cult slowly breaks down a person's sense of identity and ability to think rationally. Now, it's not a traditional cult where they're like, you know, physically breaking you down and you can't sleep and you can't eat. They're making you fast. You can't talk to your mother. Of course not. Okay. But there is indoctrination, like the same things are repeated over. How do you indoctrinate people, right? You repeat the same thing over and over and over and over until they start repeating it too. And they believe that it's true, even if there's no proof. There are things I used to say that I'm like, I look back now and I'm like, I had no proof of that. I was talking about like the facility where the products were made and this and that. I was just repeating what I was told, but I was told through storytelling through lots of heart and belief. And so I believed it. Not saying it all wasn't true, by the way, but I think some of it wasn't. The hallmark of indoctrination is the use of thought terminating cliches. For example, platitudes like follow the leader or doubt your doubts are regurgitated over and over so that members don't have to critically analyze complex issues. 100%. The group is elitist. Yes, we had a better life. We had what's called time freedom. There was no time freedom, by the way. For most of the leaders in the company, it was a, it was like 
golden handcuffs. What we said we were rescuing people from is what we actually created for ourselves. There wasn't time freedom because you were expected to be on all the time. You're on Voxer, you're on your phone, you're at an event. You're supposed to answer your phone whenever people call. There really was no time freedom. But we told everybody that we had a better way. Okay, another sign you might be in a call. There's no financial transparency. If you're not allowed to know what the group does with their money, you're probably in a cult. Okay, let's talk about this. Most network marketing companies may not be this way. I know that one, for example, I have a friend that was in this company. She's like, no, that's just your company. She said, we know exactly what people make. We know what the revenue of the company was last year. No, not the company I was with. Wherever they're from, wherever their home base is in the South, they... Not only did we not know anything about their finances, right? And we were like the top leaders of the company. We weren't allowed to know. We asked and we wouldn't be told. The critical thing, though, is that we never asked for many years. I was with the company 13 years before I asked questions. Actually, 11 years. For two years, I was asking questions. For the last year, they were planning on how to get rid of me because I was asking questions. But the other leaders, top leaders in the company and myself, like we were like the top, 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 top people in the company, other than the people who had been there 25 years. There were like five people who made a million dollars a year, let's say. I don't really think they did. And then there were a bunch of us that were like 10, maybe, I'm not even going to say levels, but we were below them. There were a bunch of us. And then there was another tier below us. And in we were like the top tier other than the old goats who had been there 25 years. And we started talking to each other. And I will say, one reason I was gotten rid of is because I instigated the conversations. I started critically thinking. I started going, hold on a minute. Something seems odd. you know. So anyway, we were talking about finances. And I said, I love the fact that, and I did, I love the fact that we don't just brag about how much money we make. We're not gross like that, like a lot of these network marketing companies. But at the same time, do you think it's weird that we never talk about it? My friend was like, yeah, that is kind of weird. And I was like, don't you think it's weird that I don't know how much you make and you don't know how much I make? Yeah, that is kind of weird. So we started comparing notes. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I assumed because you had this club level higher than me that you made way more than me. How do I make more money than you? None of them, none of them were making more than $15,000 in a month. I understand that's a lot of money, but in that industry, it's nothing. It's nothing in that industry. For the size of businesses that we had, we should have been making, I mean, way more than that if we were with another company. But anyway, so we started talking about it. And I said, I just wonder how many of the top leaders were even making six figures. So I went to the company and asked a beloved person there who I still love very much, and he wouldn't answer me. He basically talked in circles and told me, oh, it's so many, I can't even count them. I said, come on, you can count them. How many? He wouldn't tell me. And then I went, oh shit, they don't want me to know. Then I went to one of the top, top leaders named Kurt. He had a huge business. He had been with the company 25 years or something. And I asked him and he told me, whoever asked you that question needs to learn how to ask better questions. I said, excuse me? Whoever's asking you to ask me that question needs to ask better questions. Basically told me to put my nose to the ground and to the grindstone and and get back to work. And then I was like, double O shit. That's not good. So if you're with a company and they will not share financials with you, if you're a leader in a company in network marketing and you don't have proof, not stories, but proof of what the leaders and the leadership and your upline are making, it might be something to consider. All right. So 
those are just some of the ways that cults show up. And those are just some of the ways that network marketing companies show up. You can decide if you are in a cult or you can decide if you're in a culture that is cult-like. Pretty sure you're not in a real cult. But if you're in direct sales or network marketing and you love it and you're having fun, you're making money and you're learning and you have your girlfriends there, I mean, my God, do it. As I said, it can be amazing. I just want you to be aware that it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to rock the boat. If you're not coming from malice and you're not just trying to be a squeaky wheel for the sake of being a squeaky wheel and you really want to understand something, you you have to decide. Either I don't get my answer and I stay and I weigh it out and realize, I mean, the good outweighs the bad or I don't get my answer and I leave based on principle. But either way, I encourage you to just hear this out, compare where you are, um, ask questions, and then make sure that you're not yourself being indoctrinated. When you go to say something, repeat something, teach something, question yourself and go, is this true? Are these my words? Am I okay that they're not my words? Because many things I say are not my words. Like I, I quote like, personal development people or books I've read or, you know, different spiritual leaders, et cetera. Then am I just quoting them or am I quoting them blindly? And if you're a hater of the industry, I would invite you to not use this episode as evidence that all of the people that you know that are selling, you know, lipstick and cleaning products and supplements are in a cult, right? As I said, there are some great things many great characteristics and qualities of those companies and of the industry. And if you think, you know, for example, people will say things like, no one makes any money. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. I had a six-figure, healthy six-figure income for years. Lots of people are making money. Here's the part where it gets sticky. Those companies want you to think that a lot of people are making a lot of money, and that's a lie. See, this is where they get themselves in trouble. I should probably have... Maybe I'll do another episode on the top 10 lies that they tell you. So I listed the ways that they're cult-like. I'll do a follow-up episode on the top 10 lies that network marketing um, companies tell you and tell the people in the company. So I'll just give you that one, that most people are doing great and making money. The truth is the vast majority of people make nothing. In fact, they lose money because they're spending their money on the products. That's just the truth. And that's okay as long as people are honest about it. So one reason I think people trusted me in the industry is I was honest about it. I said, here's the deal. You're probably never going to reach the top of the marketing plan. Not because I don't believe in you, but because it's like hardly anyone does it. So you're probably not going to get there. You might. And if you want to, I can show you how I did it and show you the path and I'll support you and I will believe in you, but I'm not going to sell you a bullshit story about how anyone can do it if they just put their mind to it. Not true. Not true at all. So. I'll do a follow-up on the top 10 lies that network marketing companies tell people to recruit them and then tell people once they are recruited so that they stay. All right, love you guys so much and I will chat with you next week. Don't forget to breathe, love yourself and fully surrender. 